Celebrities endorsement. What are you doing about it? Um, it used to be a thing. I, I'm not sure if you were watching TV when you were younger, right? But like in, when you're watching advertisements on TV, we, we didn't watch TV when you were younger. I don't know what kind of TV. I, I used to get. <laughs> I used to get whipped if I watched too much TV. Right. <laughs> or maybe the kind of advertisements you're seeing. Yeah. Um, when you were younger, I always see celebrities on the TV ads, and it. it, it mm. I wasn't thinking about it obviously when I was younger, right? But there's this perception that oh, if the celebrity is endorsing that brand, therefore yeah. it must be a pretty good brand. True, true, true. I mean, we still see it today. Like um, over here, what the main one I know uh, is like uh, what is it? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, let's just say Kowei. Mm -hmm, yeah. Endorsed by some city Korean and the Korean. Uh, boy oh, band, yeah, something like that, um, or yeah, I, I actually see a lot of Korean. I think because of the the Korean wave, right? Like yeah, everybody yeah. just yeah. to correct. But what do, what do, do you think it makes sense? Like for a boy band to endorse a water filter brand, say so, yeah, yeah. Why? How so? Okay, so so here's my perspective. Uh, you have someone that is in a authority figure. Okay. Okay. Someone that a lot of people like. Yeah. Okay. So follows or listen to. Correct. So you have this person that is very much liked by the people. Mm -hmm. So whatever that this person does mm -hmm. is going to be, I guess, sort of mimicked, right? So if you do this, I want to do this. If you have a Samsung phone, I want a Samsung phone. Right. Right. Because I feel like you know what you're doing, kind of thing. Right. Like, or you have the lifestyle that I want to live. I want to live your life. Yes. Because I want to be you, sort of, right? Correct. So if you look so beautiful when, when um, drinking this kind of water, yeah, I, I want to like, look like you. Yeah, I must drink that water to be as beautiful as you, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think that is a pretty, like, really good segue into what we want to talk about today. Yeah. Episode two. Yes. Hopefully. Very not subtle. <laughs> Very not. <laughs> Very, very not plan, plan to plan. <laughs> so we're talking about influencers today, guys. Yes, so we're talking about influencer, yeah. influencer marketing today. Yes, huge. Mm. Uh, arguably, has been around, grown a lot more popular recently. Yeah, but just for the benefit of everyone that's listening, let's start with what is an influencer. Like, what is influencer marketing? Ooh. What is influencer marketing? Someone that has some sort of influence over you and telling you to do something. Right. It can okay. be anyone. Okay, I, I, I like that because I think the first thing that people would jump to yeah. is um, KOLs, celebrities, the, the micros, the macros. Yeah. People you follow on Instagram or like people you follow on social media. The different types of influencers, right? Exactly. Hang on, let me throw this to you. Do you call them influencers or do you call them KOL? Oof. I think just from the semantics, it's two very different things. Right. I, I do think that you can be a socialite. Yeah. That is that has no influence whatsoever. Yeah. But people know you. Yes. It's a huge network. Yeah. You're you're influencing nobody but yourself. Yeah. Arguably, you're not even a key opinion leader. You are yeah. not. You have no opinion at yeah. all. Yeah. Uh, but just within the two buckets of being a key opinion leader. Yeah. And an influencer, I think there's a big difference. So I think a key opinion leader. Yeah. Is someone whose message 
you would want to listen to. There's there's a lot more authority in the message. Yes. Whereas as an influencer, you are able to drive action or behavior. Yeah. You you may not even be talking about factual stuff. Yeah. Or, or it, it isn't really a thought. It doesn't have to come from a authenticated, authoritative opinion. Yep. You are just so engaging and so influential yep. that people want to listen to you. Correct. So I, I, I do see it as two different buckets. Although then I, I think there's a huge overlap. Yeah. Because right. so my, my understanding was that it was called influencer, right? So when when I first knew about this this whole uh, segment, it was called influencer. Mm-hmm. However, like um, when I started wanting to engage with influencer, right? They apparently, or I'm I'm just gonna call out Malaysia. Apparently, in Malaysia, people don't like to be called influencer. Oh, that's interesting. I like, thought people want to be influencers. They they want to be called KOLs. Right. Do you know why? I think it just sounds fancy. Like you have <laughs> you have something to say. Right. It's less less shallow. Yeah. Yeah. This is like the difference between oh, I'm gonna. I think just like the fine line between a model and a talent. I think a model is more restrictive. It sounded yeah. like you are modeling. Yeah. Whereas the talent sounded like you yeah, are something able. else. Oh, I feel like we're digging our own grave. So we're yeah. <laughs> quickly move on. <laughs> but you mentioned about the types of influencers. Yeah. I think for the purpose of this episode at least, let's yeah. just lump them into one big, you know, yeah. talent, influencers, KOLs, yeah, everything. Yeah. Celebrities, even yeah. um what are the different types that's out there based on your um i i i generally class i'll class them as three different levels right you have your your micro okay you have your macro ones yeah then you have your celebrities okay um and why i say that is mostly because like as as a celebrity you you are in your typical like media segment right mm-hmm. Then you have your micros, which is like super massive, like heaps of following. Right. You may be doing something like, let's just say you're a singer or whatnot. So I'll still class you as a micro influencer, macro influencer. But like, then you have your micro, which is like the sub 10,000. Yeah, very niche. Like anything above that, like I kind of like maybe in the medium side, I call you um, like macros too, only because maybe you're unknown. But you have a massive following, right? Well, let's just say you're pretty girl. Like yep. you, you have a decent body. Everyone loves it. You, you post really decent content. Yep. People just love your stuff. So you're you're considered a macro. People know about you. If I yep. if I ask, hey, do you know, uh, Gatita? Right. People will be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Right? yeah. I know. All right. So it's kind of like that. Like I, I see them as like almost three segments. Okay. The later pretty is someone that has either actors. Right sang or whatever that kind of stuff because some of the celebrities actually have really low following that's true but they're still celebrities yeah I still consider them like, it's like only because they've acted. acted or they've sang and I feel like that is a different segment like you, right. you maybe because maybe they have their own agents and stuff like that right. and when you want to reach out professional yeah slightly different group yeah so, so maybe to anchor it back down I think the classification is important specifically from the marketing perspective yeah. because we need a way to engage them yeah. right so i think just being able to know roughly when i say micro 
you're talking about yeah. you know smaller followings not necessarily less professional or less expensive mm. which is something I want to address I think yeah. I do believe because my classification is a little bit different yeah. I do think that the size of the following matters yes. but how much they are worth mm. doesn't have to be tagged solely on the size of the following yeah yeah. Right? so I think just to throw into the mix yeah. uh, I agree with, with, with your micro micro celebrity jelly. it makes sense yeah. it's a very commonly used industry term yeah. The other way I look at it is also from the subject matter expert or the niche that they're holding. So yeah, I'll kind of classify them as are you the subject matter expert? Yeah. Right. So like if you are speaking about sustainability yeah. and the earth and you know, this is where you call them KOL, sir. Yeah. Right. It's KOLs. Right. They have an opinion that people should listen to. It, as long as you have something to say, like if you're just posting things like your dances, I don't know if you really. Then you're a creator. You're I mean, a content creator. You can be a successful content creator because people consume your content and people yeah. follow you for your content. But do you really have an opinion though? Yeah, I guess so. But they could, okay, and this is arguably, right? They could have an opinion on how to create good content that people want to watch mm -hmm. or, you know, consume. Sure. So, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Uh, so, so, yeah, that, that's that's one. The, the other thing that I, I think... Um, we we think about when we think about influencers or KOLs is that the definition is really weak. So here's this one for you, right? Just to put you under the under the microscope. Based on what you just said about content creation mm. and the followings, is an only fan creator then also an influencer because they have a huge following or they have a huge subscription? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Because I can think of many ways to get them to sell something. That's okay. That's a good point. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> so yes. So from our perspective, as long as we can use them to push a brand product message, they are a valued influencer. Yeah. Well, I I I think okay, not not just sell stuff, right? But like I generally think like even if you're an OnlyFans person, mm -hmm. you you have influence in certain people in terms of um being able to communicate to them about certain things that they want to consume. Right. But let's just say you're, you're posting photos of your tits and ass and you have people wanting to consume this and wanting to interact with you. Right. So meaning that you have the ability to communicate to them and they can receive this information. So in that sense, you also have the ability to maybe positively influence this person, right? Like, right. Uh, it could be that, you know, maybe the person has low sex drive. Right. Now that you've positively influenced the person, the person has higher sex drive. Or maybe you help them with building their confidence. Right. Now, maybe this person is more willing to speak to someone in public, in person, right? Mm -hmm. So I think even even though, yes, you maybe the stigma of an OnlyFans person isn't quite the same as like, you know, your IG or your YouTube or whatever, there's still a certain type of influence that they have with the audience that I believe can work. Right. Just so, depending on which one. Can you, can you then be an influencer if you have low to no followings? <laughs> I want to say yes. I want to, you know. Just, like, just to be inclusive. I only, I only have like 700 followers. <laughs> I, I think, I think I'm doing? okay. <laughs> I think I'm influencing people. You know, I managed to get people to try skydiving. Right. Is that 
Does that count? Like, so I think so. I, I think you 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 can consider them an influencer of you 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 can be you can you can be an influencer of one follow of one fan right you can influence then that one person correct you're not a very effective influencer yeah but who's to, who's to say that one person isn't the most valuable customer segment for that one particular brand right yes absolutely so then it comes back to quality versus quantity which we will dive into as well when we talk about uh, influencers yep so moving on then to using influencers so mm-hmm. it's been like like you said earlier it's been around been using it are there different i think the different evolution of of it from the celebrity driven ones yep. to the more mass ones that we see today yeah how do you think brands are using them i think for, for me anyway i do see some brands doing well mm-hmm. in terms of being able to engage people for the right reasons, right? But also I find that a lot of brands are kind of just throwing money out there only because they're using the same principle as like the old school celebrity. Right. They think this celebrity holds a certain value in the market. Mm-hmm. So they throw money at it and hope that it will give them some sort of return. Um, so where I think a good uh, influencing campaign can be, is where the value of the person matches up with the value of your business. Right. right. So that it, it really has... So what you're trying to say is you can be the influencer or you can be an influencer with the highest number of followings. Yeah. You are not necessarily the best influencer for all the brands. No. Right. right. Well, we've, 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 we've done many, right? Like, so one, one, one could say that even if this person has, you know, uh, 50 million following. Yeah doesn't necessarily mean that they're the best ones right uh, like you you can have like okay let's just use like kim kardashian mm-hmm. um i think off the top of my head if if you have any type of product you can probably pitch it to them mm-hmm. and pay a large chunk of money right and it will most likely work only because the value of that person is quite widespread Mm-hmm. Right, so it's she's not tied into a particular niche. She's not tied into a particular thing. She's tied into this whole lifestyle, right? Right. That sort of like middle striving to upper class um, world, where if you have certain products that kind of caters to that, then Kim is like a good market to go into, right. or like Kylie Jenner or uh, Kendall or whoever. Like if you feel like your market fits that group fantastic so i think for the benefit of the younger marketeers yeah. or even the you know in the spirit of dumb consumers for the yeah. benefit of the un- unaware clients dumb <laughs> you said it <laughs> <laughs> what what happens if you choose the wrong influencer so what because remember we, when we talk about vanity last vanity matrix the last episode we say that it's it's a it's a it's it's a game of risk, right? That if you spread your net wide, you get big followings. At least you're protected. You know that that's sort of the insurance. It's, yeah. it's like followings. Like if I go with the bigger influencers, yeah. At least I have that. At least I have that reach. Yeah. So then, what happens if it's the wrong reach? What what happens if it's if it's the wrong influencer? 
what happens if it's wrong influencer? If if it's the wrong one, then you're just sending the wrong message. Right. Or your right. message doesn't get across. Yeah, like okay, okay. let's use some Malaysia as an example, right? Mm. If your if your product is very Malay and you put in some Chinese only fan girls, like it's very wrong already. Right. Um you may then again, like you may be able to create some sort of uh awareness. Awareness, yeah, or to all the wrong people. Or some you know, some interesting PR work there. Right. Uh, but like if you if you're just trying to get a message out there, I think it's just the wrong message. Right. Going forward, right? But it is still some sort of message. It's just how you want to turn it at that point. Um I think most agencies will pitch a set of influences mm -hmm. to a brand and hope that the numbers are what they're looking for. Right. Right. Without taking into account the sentiment of what that person brings. Right. So if this person is extremely, uh, let's just say, anti-Islam, mm -hmm. right? Like, and a lot of the content is, you know, anti-whatever, but like, you know, your product is predominantly Malay-targeted and Muslim-targeted. That's, that's kind of stupid, right? Right. right. Or like if you're an alcohol brand, mm -hmm. you're using a Malay influencer, which does like, not work. To Malay audience who is very left-wing and not correct. Right. Right. So you, that's, a, that's a very good example. Yeah. And I've seen this before. Like I've seen alcohol brands wanting to use Malay influencers. And this is an international brand, right? So where right. they're not they're not too sure what's happening in the local scenes mm -hmm. and our job is to advise them of what to do. Right. Like this is just like a point in case where it's just bad. It's bad. But I think, I know we're not talking about localization today, but yeah. that, that is a very good example of a right thought process leading to the wrong outcome. I can totally imagine mm. the alcohol brand sitting in US or Europe or yeah. wherever else yep. that Malaysia thinking, yeah. hey, we want to enter the Southeast Asian market Malaysia has a huge, um, you know, nightclub, like nightlife scene. Alcohol yep. makes sense there. Let's go in and look at the yep. market research. Hey, you know what? 70% Malay. Yeah. Definitely need to hit the market, right? Yes. Look for Malay influencers. So the thought process was correct. Yes. Except without the context that most Malays correct. are Muslims and can drink. Correct. Right? So. Correct. And I think this, Malaysia, like as, as a country is quite unique mm -hmm. uh, compared to most countries out there. So, you know, you take, let's just say UAE, UAE is super straightforward. Like you have your, your Arabs there, your, um, and then you have your, your foreigners living there. Right. right? Even in Thailand, uh, Vietnam, Australia, US, it's all in the one language. Right. Right. Maybe there's certain localized areas where it's like Spanish or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like in Australia, maybe there's a certain area that is a little bit more Greek oriented, but like right. generally the culture there is very flat. Yeah. Right. Compared to like, let's just say Malaysia or Singapore, where culture is bloody diverse. Significantly, like the subcultures are significantly different. Correct. And you have like your own community. You have your own subsets of languages. You have, even though like as a as a country you identify as one, you know, one identity. Right. But there's still like you have your own identity in in that sector, right? Right. So coming coming back to to what we just said right about the impact of using the wrong influencer, mm -hmm. maybe it's time we we, we kind of spill the beans, right? Okay. How do you then choose the influencer? What what's the right way of doing it? Okay, so understand what the brand is trying to do. Mm -hmm. This is speaking from a brand marketing perspective, right? Yeah, like let's just say I'm I'm, I'm this alcohol brand, right? Like, yep. what am I trying to do? I'm trying to get people to drink it. 
what kind of people am I trying to get to drink? It's uh, as a brand, you should know this already. Mm -hmm. And even if not trying to localize it, even if you know that in a local area, there's certain people that drink your, your product or use your product very differently, Mm -hmm. you still need to know that. Right. So once you have that like persona or profile, then you go out to the market and look for like an influencer. And to be clear and specific. You're not looking for an influencer that is in that profile, correct? Right? You are looking for an influencer where their followers are in that profile, correct? And I think that's something that most people don't, or most brands sometimes overlook, right? Yeah. Thinking, hey, I'm reaching out to the Malay audiences, yeah. therefore I only want to look for Malay influencers. Actually, that's correct. very untrue because there are a lot of Chinese influencers, yeah, with huge Malay followings. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think. That's that's the biggest part. Like most people will kind of go to the influence and look. Oh, I love this person mm-hmm. as a person, right? Correct. But they don't understand that what you're actually trying to buy is not that person. You're buying their followers. Yes, their followers. Yeah. So you need to understand like what their followers are doing and how are they interacting with this person. Right. Because in in essence, once they're going to be acting as your brand. Mm-hmm. So if they don't like this person. They're not gonna like your brand. Exactly. Like right. it's almost as if you know, reaching out to a family influencer group, thinking yeah. that you will reach other families. Turns out you're just reaching a bunch of kids, right? That you should, may not work out at all. Yeah. So I mean, like sometimes I think like if you look at uh like some hot chick on on IG, uh, you're thinking that you may be reaching to a bunch Sell of girls, beauty products and cosmetics. No. You need to look into it. Most of the time, it's just full of guys. 40-year-old male. Yeah, it's, it's full of guys. <laughs> it's full of guys. Which yeah. doesn't mean that they are invaluable. They're just yeah. very valuable if you're trying to sell to men. Yes, correct. Right. I think like, like an example, like let's just say um, uh, Gatita. Yeah. Although like her following is full of men, she's done the right thing by selling vibrators and sex toys. Mm-hmm. Right. Because Even though her followers are full of men? Yeah. So in, in, in that sense, right, what she's doing is this, these are the things that you can use to pleasure your woman. Right. So but she's still selling to the men. Yes. So she's selling to the men by saying that, Hey, these are the things that you can use with your partner. With your, your partner girl. love this. Yes. By speaking from a female's perspective. Right. Which I think is the smart way to do it. Like, right. Like that's you using exactly what your audience want, right? The audience. She already knows her audience are mostly males. Right. Or why why like they're already consuming like you know adult content and stuff like that. So what what's the next step from there? You you take the next step to buy a toys. Buy a toy, yeah. I think yeah. that that's a perfect example almost of having the right influence, having the yeah. mass, the rich, the influence, yeah. plus having the authority as a woman herself to then Correct. say, hey, men, listen up. As a woman, this is what it is. Yes. If you're trying to do that for your partner, yes, this is what you need to do. I think it's perfect combo of the right op- the right person talking about the right topic yeah. to the right pool of people. Yeah. And I, I think this is, it's not easy to see. Mm-hmm. I don't think this pathway is very straightforward. This kind of takes some a while to like, okay, what, what else does a person want, right? right? And even a typical business, I would say, it's very hard for them to understand what their their customers truly want. Mm-hmm. Let alone like picking an influencer that will have the right target audience. Exactly. All right. True. Yeah. I, I have a very good example of of a very boring 
business mm-hmm. that has a very good thought process. So I, I can't name the brand, unfortunately, but you would definitely know, know them. Um, they are an online trading platform. They're one of the first in Malaysia, one of the best in Malaysia where you can buy and sell uh, stocks online. So they knew that their target market, first off, were traders or new traders, that those who don't already have a stock broker. And then they kind of saturated that pool because they are one of the best in, in the country already, right? Yeah. So then try to move on and say, hey, okay, where is my adjacent customers going to come from? Mm. And their thought process was so good because instead of looking at it from a trading perspective, like people who are traders, they're thinking about it from a digital perspective because they're saying that if you are going to be a trader, you can always go to an alternative. You can walk into a branch, go to a typical bank. You, you can always do that. But if you are more digital native or digital first, you're more likely to look for an online solution rather than a traditional solution. So then they're looking for a pool of traders within an online audience. So then the target market became gamers, uh, e-commerce uh, shoppers, e-commerce sellers, people who are comfortable with the digital space, with the online space already, and then tell them, hey, you could be trading or you should be trading. Yeah. This is what you're losing out on. Yeah. And I think it's such a brilliant idea because not many brands get to this level of conversation. Most brands that we that that we listen to yeah. get stuck at the conversation of lowest hanging fruit. Yeah. And what they're trying to say is, give me the cheapest audience, the, the easiest audience. But if you're good at what you do, you shouldn't be talking about lowest hanging fruit for three, five years in your brand journey, right? At some point, you're going to finish picking the lowest hanging fruit. It's about time for you to go to a new tree. Yep. Most marketers aren't mature enough to have that conversation to say, hey, you know what? Actually, the lowest hanging fruit is pretty tall because I've plucked all the low ones. I need a freaking tall ladder to get to my next lowest hanging fruit. Yep. The next best actually is the lowest hanging tree. Like it's the, it's the nearest tree with a lower hanging fruit, Correct. which is what they try to do, right? They say, hey, you know what? I've saturated my trader's market, my stock, stock uh, buyer's market. Yep. I should be looking at a new pool and then push people to be traders instead. Mm-hmm. Okay, then the cost per acquisition would have made sense. So I think that's a very, very good example of identifying target market yep. and understanding that the people I'm talking to, if I'm using him to talk to a person, I'm not necessarily selling to him. Yep. I'm selling to the person that he's selling to. Yes, absolutely. And in this situation, like an influencer is really someone that is technically digital as well, right? It could be a banker. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now that we roughly know how to choose the right influencer, mm-hmm. I think as we advocate in the previous, I, I guess it's going to be a cons- consistent theme throughout the whole podcast as well. How do we then measure the results? How do you know that like, oh, while our gut feel say that she's the right or he's the right influencer, mm-hmm. At the end of the campaign, how do I know that I've done a good job? Or better yet, if I've chosen five influencers, all of them arguably could be right. But who is more right? Like, how do I rank them? How do I know who did a better job? Assuming they all charge me different rates, how do I then, you know, if I want to compensate my performance, how do I know if they've done well? Good question. Um, I think maybe the same thing as what we did with the vanity matrix. It's a scale mm-hmm. uh, of what is most important right now. So depending on what platform and what the what the thing that you're using, um, the the easiest one, the easiest one would be sales. Like direct. Direct use, sales. Use my promo code, use my, right. Uh, use my affiliate link, mm-hmm. uh, promo codes, 
or whatever, right? There's, yeah. there's a direct way of tracking cells or lead generation or whatever the ultimate matrix is. Right. I think that's probably the easiest one. Um, the second one would be the one just before, which is, I guess, like um, the click-through rate for it. Right. So if someone's seen it and they don't take action, then sort of pointless as well. Right. Uh, but if they've seen it, they've clicked on it to go to your website and get a free trial, get a free sample. Or they, they or even if they didn't buy it, yeah, still think it's good because mm -hmm. that person has influenced them to actually click through. Right. Even if they're not a target buyer, there's enough of a push yes. to make them now someone who has seen it before. Correct. Right. Um, and then I guess the last one will probably be like your views or your engagement numbers. Right. To determine whether or not this person is good, but. I don't like that part only because it it can be manipulated very easily, right? Uh, and it holds almost no value. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's a number that you want to look at as as a way to kind of gauge how well it's going. But it's not the you know when you end the campaign, it's the number that you be like, oh my god, I have like half a mil Weird. views, fantastic, no sales, right? spent half, half a million dollars. True. If you want to know more about that, yeah. go back to episode one, when it yeah. metrics, we talk about a lot it, yeah. uh, uh, about it. But I absolutely agree. I think it, it's a balance between what your objective is yeah. and then being able to measure it okay. and um, what the quality score is yeah. and then being able to measure it. So okay. if it's sales, it's, it's, uh, that's what you're looking at. Yeah. Being able to then attribute sales to them yeah. at the very least. One step prior, the, the landing, the cards, the view, the, the downloads, the action. Yep. At the very least, one step before, which is the views, the impression, the reach. And and of course, every step of the funnel we climb is going to get more weight. Yeah. Right? So the idea is to be able to track as much of the funnel as possible. Yeah. And as accurate as, as possible. Do you think there's another way of determining whether or not a campaign is good if it's not based on matrix? Right. I, I think, and this is where maybe the only time I would say that a certain level of judgment and subjectivity may make sense. So for an influencer campaign, sometimes the goal isn't really to sell. Mm -hmm. Actually, sometimes the goal is to educate, to yeah. share a new product, a new service, or actually even a message. Right? For example, um, let's take voting, right? Like mm. the... The, a bunch of NGOs were running influencer campaigns yep. to encourage people to vote. Yep. Right? Of course, then the most correlated measurement would be the number of people who actually turn out voting. Mm. But regardless of the voter turnout, how do you know that it's this influencer that has caused that to happen? Because there's right. so many steps in that decision-making process, right? Yep. So while you want to attribute that, you want to attribute the, the rise in voter turnout to your influencer campaign, it's very hard for you to, to defend it uh, at the very at all, right? True. So if, if that's the case, then I think the subjectivity matters here. In this case, you want to talk, you want to be able to talk to people that have seen their campaign. Yeah. And it, it's almost like sampling, right? So if you are, if 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 you're a statistician and you're running a lab experiment, yep. You release the message to the wall. Yep. In this case, you take Harif Iskandar, give him a voice, yep. release him to the wall. And then you go around asking people like, hey, let's sample 100 people and say, hey, out of the 100 people that I'm sampling within voting age, 
how many of you actually voted? And out of those people who voted, how many of you actually voted because you heard Harif Iskandar said, or how many of you heard Harif Iskandar said, go vote, mm. right? I think that's a very, very good way of sampling. Very, very subjective. Yeah. Sort of. But it's better than not being able to measure. True. True. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to find a way that, because it's quite a fair chunk of money, right? Like if you throw, like, let's just say, you know, 20,000, 50,000, 100,000 to a person, a person and you don't have a number that you can absolutely track, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like it's it's quite painful to me anyway. For sure. To be able to not not say like, I, you know, half a meal was used in, in wisely here. Yeah. Um, so without, without that, like, I think that's probably a shit campaign to me, mm-hmm. not being able to track properly. Correct. Um, I, I absolutely agree because there's so much, so many more things you could have done with the same amount of money yep. that you could track properly. Yeah. Right. So, I I, I don't absolutely agree with you. Right. That I think the inability to attribute a hundred percent. Yes. Is it. So I, another example that I had, which is also subjective, is when I was using, um, an influencer mm-hmm. to promote a particular product. Mm. Right. In this case, the followers, his follower actually reach out to him and say, hey, you know what? That was a very good review. I actually went to see the product. Uh, you know, I ended up putting a booking on it. Mm. And then he screenshotted it and shared it with me. Oh. Does that mean that every single one of, of the followers made the purchase? Definitely no. Yeah. But there was at least one. Yeah. And I think that the idea that we that I have is that if he's able to convince one person to make that booking, yeah. what it means is that the, the message or the content yeah. is probably good enough to educate the rest of the followers of the quality of the product or of yep. the product of the details of the product. Okay. Maybe not everyone convert, but the fact that one did means yep. that there's enough information to actually convince them to convert. Yep. Then from a perspective of completion of a job, mm. then the influencer have done a good job because he has created the content good enough yep. with his reach and his audience Correct. to be able to then drive some people to for conversion. Correct. Yeah. Which is still subjective, I understand. Yeah. yeah. I think I think at least there's something there that can be used, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's gonna like if 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 he managed to get let's just say fifty replies like that, yeah, that's almost like fifty clicks for us. Exactly, a fifty quality visit. Yes, something like that. Even if they don't buy it or whatever, they just go. I went to the website, checked it out, really liked it, but like it's just too expensive. Cool. Whatever, right? That's fifty feedbacks there that I can generally use to say was attributed to this person's effort. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's I still... totally agree. And I think it's it's uh it's what we were talking about, right? That this is such a better balanced conversation. Yeah. Versus oh how many views, how many views, how many views. Yeah. Right. Maybe I'm just old already. I'm I'm tired of like listening to like, how many views, how many views you have. But views is just one number. Mm-hmm. Like I know I know some some people aren't willing to commit to a sales or whatever. But ultimately, those those are the things that you need to be looking into. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, like for me, if you look at a lot of the um, campaigns, right, the international campaigns, they all have a, a QR code or a a, a discount code oh, or oh, a oh, link yeah. that directly attributes the the effort of this person to to the work that they've done. Yeah, and this is how you know that this person can improve in terms of how they deliver content or whatever. Right. But if 
if it's merely just numbers like views, mm -hmm. a person can easily just buy these views. Correct. And then that's spoken like a true marketer, right? Because beyond just the reporting and the attribution, yeah. actually our job is also optimization. Correct. And if you can't track and attribute properly, there's no there's no place for optimization yeah. at all. Yeah, and I, I find this like this this is the part where the influencer industry needs to improve is to be able to figure out what is good content. Mm -hmm. Not just say that I'm making good content and I have like half a million followers. Right. But to actually be able to, you know, mobilize your followers mm -hmm. and convince them that this is a good product to use. Right. And then for them to then attribute those and I think in in um, in support of people who are making efforts towards towards this, I think like shout out to people from KOL Hub, yep. who who is not only aggregating talents, mm. uh, but also providing standard platform, correct standard reporting. Yeah, and at the very at the very least, I think even if we aren't able to get down to like the nitty gritty traceability, yeah, raising the bar of accountability. Yeah, because there's so many brands that are just engaging influencers without looking at results or without looking yep. at impact. Yeah. At the very least, these standard measures, views, clicks, visits, conversations, engagement, yeah. it allows brands to now start to think about, oh, actually, I should be asking for a result yeah. so I've run an influencer campaign and not just pay money and, you know, yeah. not know where the, where the link even is posted, right? Okay. Uh, the, the boss is happy. Sorry, I'm happy now. <laughs> True. Yeah. So just, just before we, we go to the conclusion, Maybe just as a personal aside, have you ever bought something because of an influencer campaign? I'll say yes. Um, so I'm not. I'm not a big fan of the the type where it's too. It's there's no correlation. Right. Right. So when I say there's no correlation, it's where this this person has just you know, start up rambling about this product mm -hmm. for no reason, but right. it's not part of their life. Right. Right. Um, so I've, I've never bought it from that perspective only because I didn't feel like it was genuine. Mm -hmm. But I, I have bought things from like, let's just say camera gears, mm -hmm. right? Camera gears or like tech gadgets from, let's just say YouTube influencers where yep. they've really spoken about it. They've gone into depth about it. And, you know, they provided this affiliate link down the bottom. Right. They said like, look, you if you like this content, you you want to help me out, click on the link, go buy it. I've done it. I've done plenty of times. And I think those are the ones that I find worthwhile. Right. There are certain cases where I, I've seen certain influencer kind of like, very subtly said, look, I'm going into to this massage parlor to go try it out, you know, and then they came out and they said, oh, it's not too bad. It's pretty good. Um, you know, I like the facial part. The, the massage could have been a little bit harder. I've given the, those places a go as well, only because it felt genuine. Right. Right? It felt like it wasn't fake. Yeah. Right? It's, it felt like... I, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think that's a very good testament that it, it, it works, right? Yeah. And you kind of eluded a little bit into reviews as well. Yeah. So I think personally, I have made more purchases because of the reviews. Yes. Not necessarily because of the brand ambassadorship. So I think for influencers yeah. I follow, I don't even think it's, it's paid reviews or even paid uh, promotions. Yeah. Right? I just felt like he's using it, he's reviewing it. I like him. I believe in the things he said. Yeah. That use case fit what I'm looking for. Yes. And I've literally bought that same product yeah albeit not from him 
Yeah. But because of those reviews, but I think yeah. reviews is an entirely different topic uh, altogether, yeah. probably somewhat related to the influencer giving the reviews. Yeah. But I, I think I'm a lot more influenced by reviews rather yeah. than influencers. Yeah. I think use case is super important to me. Mm-hmm. Like you telling me that if you had this problem, this is what this is how you solve it. Yeah. Solve it. Like even if you even if it's not a review, right? Like, like let's just say like the per- the person basically is trying to promote this bottle of gin. Yeah. But like if you gave me like, you know, a setting where the person is sitting at a um, you know, a lounge mm-hmm. and it's a cigar lounge and, you know, they're smoking a cigar or drinking this particular gin and telling me like this is not too bad. Right. Like it's even though it's not a direct review, like just seeing it from this influencer person makes me go, you know what? I want to give it a go. Right. Right. Just because of that. Uh, or problem solution. I think I've seen, yeah. I mean, obviously you know that it's a, it's a paid ad. Yes. They are paid actors. Yeah. They're saying it because it was scripted. Yeah. But the the fact that the brand uh, chose that as their marketing strategy mm. me, for me at least it, it kind of means that oh they must be really good at solving that one problem because correct. in that 30 second that they can buy yeah. they chose to say that one thing correct right not the packaging not the price not yes. that they chose to say hey you know what if you have hangover every time you have a gym and you love gym and right. don't want to get hangover this is the one for you I right. feel like that there must be a yeah. key difference in your brand right absolutely yeah I think so too cool yeah. so to, to wrap it up I think um since we talk a lot about the brand side of things, mm. I would say then, what's your advice to media planners for someone who is advising the brands on how to use an influencer marketing campaign, uh, younger marketeers who are on the agency side that's, you know, that's getting brief from the client. I want to get Nilofa because she has the highest follower. I want Jane Sharp because she has the highest follower. What advice will you give to them to go and help educate the rest of the market for us? If it was me, step one is to profile your own company, your own brand, your own service, like mm-hmm. figure out who is going to buy it. If you don't have this like person in mind, in mind. then you're going to say everyone and not everyone's your customer. So if you know this person, then you go into these influencers profile, go to their following. Can you see these people there? Right. If you see these people there, then this is a good person. Mm-hmm. Then the next one will be the content itself. Mm-hmm. which I think it's a completely different topic altogether, yeah. but I think a content, the content itself should be relatable to the audience itself, right. not to what the content producer can make, mm-hmm. but what the audience actually want to hear and see. Right. And then that's, that's pretty much how it's... That's, that's perfect. And I think my only takeaway from, from that is, uh, or as my key takeaway from, from this conversation at least, is that if you want to... F- either advise a client on what yeah. is the right uh, influencer to use yeah. or you to figure out who is the right influencer to use, yeah. talk to the target market yeah. and then ask them who they follow. Yeah. Right? Like if you are, my, you are the ideal consumer, I'll come to you and say, hey, Roger, who do you follow? Yeah. Give me some examples. Actually, that's a better way. Yeah. Right? Then you work your way back, back up. That's, right. that's another way to, to do that. Yeah. That's a good way too. Yeah. yeah. So on that note, I think we're wrapping up today's episode. Uh, hopefully, you have a good one and as usual, if you have any Feedback, comment, discussion. If you want to challenge what Roger said, feel free to drop it in the comment below. We're definitely going to address it in the coming episodes. Yeah. Um, last words from you? Like, subscribe. <laughs> Thumbs up or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, until then, see you guys in the next episode. Cheers. Yeah.